Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator and super cool dude, Kyle Starks, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, an award-winning magazine. Comic Scene is available digitally and in print in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada, and the good old USA at www.getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. Also, on a side note, this coming Wednesday, 9th of September 2020, I have my first four-issue miniseries being published with Action Lab called The S-Factor, which is about an underappreciated sidekick called Grey Fox who decides to rebrand himself through a new dating reality TV show for superheroes called The S-Factor, where 12 female contestants fight for his affection. Meanwhile, his former superior, Dark Fox, is uh, bewildered as to why he would put himself in such a vulnerable position. If that tickles your fancy, then you can pre-order all four issues on Comixology to read in full this Wednesday by following the link www.tinyurl.com forward slash the S Factor. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Kyle Starks. How's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on. Um, it's so kind of you to agree to do Comics for the Apocalypse today, so it's very much appreciated. Yeah, man, I feel like I'm kind of uh, making Comics for the Apocalypse right now, so it just feels like on point <laughs> for 2020. Absolutely ideal. Um, and for anyone that hasn't come across you just yet, and there'll be very few of those, uh, what do uh, you do in the world of comics? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I make comic books. Uh, I, I'm what is frequently referred to as a cartoonist. I write and draw uh, my own works a lot. And then I've written for uh, Skybound's Assassination, uh, Oni's Rick and Morty, Dead of Winter, uh, War, Mars Attacks for Dynamite. I've done so much. So I, I do it all, my dude. Oh, absolutely, man. And I really, um, just in, in preparation for this interview, I reread Sex Castle over the weekend, um, kind of in between kind of, you know, playing with my daughter and things, which was quite weird. Yeah, isn't it? Oh, mate, it is so good. So Thanks, you, well done for kind of you know, just kicking off your, your comic career. Yeah. In, that's my first you know, it's funny because I've heard, I've heard about, I heard about this podcast because I think people have, have mentioned sex castle several times on it, or at least twice, yes. I think, uh, which is awesome. It's awesome to hear that people are still talking about sex castle. It's my first work. It's my special baby and I love it. Uh, and so it's cool. People are talking about it. 100% man. And where can people find you online? I am uh, at the Kyle Starks uh, on pretty much everything: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Perfect, and all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go click through, check out Kyle and all your social media sites, and uh, and check it out whilst we're talking. Uh, now, all of that aside, Kyle, I do have some bad news for you. I'm afraid, and that is there has been a super intelligent ape takeover. Um, and my first question for you is: What is your action plan for survival? So with the, you know, here's my, here's what I've decided about 
any apocalyptic situation, um, I'm in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any skills uh, per se. And uh, I'm generally weak. Um, but my plan <laughs> would be a frozen banana stand. Nice. This is the only defense I can think of is that I can offer some sort of commerce opportunity that would make me viable in the super ape uh, economy. Uh, so my plan is frozen banana stand. My backup plan is rubber snakes. I don't think either are great. I think I'm in trouble either way because the apes will figure out they could just run their own banana stand. Maybe. Um, but I reckon what's going to happen is that they, they, they'll see that as kind of menial work and human work. That's what I'm hoping for. Almost. Yeah. And so, like, I think kind of your, you would have found kind of your, your level in the hierarchy. I thought I also there was a chance. I, I, did some re, I did some research. I thought there was a chance that maybe uh, the, the smart apes would be like really, in, like, they'd be really, like, isn't it peculiar how he opens the bananas? Um, because I, I always yeah. heard that that monkeys open them opposite opposite we do. But I found out also that yeah. that's maybe a myth that they just open them like we do. <laughs> but I thought maybe just like, look how they do it from the bottom up. This crazy pink man and his banana action. That's my hope. Also, I figure if it's, I could do it like, um, I could like, uh, it would be like a, a very fortified banana shelter. So maybe we'd just be physically safe until we ran out of bananas. Nice. That sounds like a plan, man. Um, it's a plan. So, I don't know if it's a good one. <laughs> it's a plan. Look, it's, it's as good as any others, I think. You know, the thing is um, also, like, I'm really obsessed with, um, I'm not obsessed, but I've always been very interested in hot dog carts, like the guys who run the hot dog carts, you know? Yeah, sure. Like, I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a hot dog cart? It's probably not cool, um, but I've always liked the idea of sort of having mobile food options. <laughs> So I feel like as a plan, like it's also like, look, you know, they're not buying, they're not buying the Kyle Starks, uh, super monkey comics. Uh, they, they didn't feel like that's reason enough to keep me around though. I hope it would be like, it, it'd be my secondary, my fallback of doing, uh, portable foods. I think you're onto a winner there, Kyle, and it's a it's a good approach because what happens whilst, you know, just on your daily routine of, you know, um, moving your frozen banana stand um, out to kind of, you know, um, uh, what Banana Square is what now Times Square is called. Um, you've moved to New York, um, mm-hmm. of course, because that, that's where all the hustling and bustling of, of this new super intelligent ape takeover society is. Um and uh, it's the only way that you can survive is by selling frozen bananas um, to uh, apes on, let's say, Banana Street mm-hmm. um, instead of Wall Street. Anyway, <laughs> I'm leaving by, forward, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. This, um, this ape comes to you every day um, who works on Banana Street. Um, and he uh, gets talking to you just kind of about your background, what you used to do when it was just humans and things like that. Um, and he finds out that you used to create comics. And he, and he wonders about these comics. And the first question that he asks you on his lunch hour is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Oh, that's, that's a great segue. Uh, so <laughs> the first comic I remember enjoying is also the first comic I remember picking up choosing off the stands um my brother will say that he he chose it but we were both there i remember where it was um which was avengers 233 which is a pretty rando issue we had read comics before my uncle's name is tony starks um 
and he's always been involved with comics. Um, He did Silver Age comics. He still does. He does like a Silver Age comics mail order. So comics are always around, but the only comics I remember before that were like really, either they were like Archie's at the barbershop when my dad would go get his haircut and we had to sit there and we'd just read the Archie's are like, um, like a weird Christian bear comic ones. Um, <laughs> I, they were fine. Like I, I like the, I like the, I like the process of consuming, but this Avengers 233 is the first comic I remember being like the first comic we received, even though I know it's not, but in my memory, it's like, that was the one that started it. And it's got a great cover. I love the cover. It's got like a, it's got like all the Avengers like trying to mess. Like there's like a, a white circle for most of the, like a, like a quarter of a circle on the, the cover and all these Avengers are messing with it. Um, I never got the follow-up issue. So it's kind of a mystery. Like there's this force field in New York and the Avengers are trying to figure out how to stop it and where it's from. And I think I found out many, many years later that Annihilus is involved somehow. I don't know. I, I never read the follow-up. Uh, but that was the first one that started it. Um, I know like we had pool lists when we were little. I think my uncle kind of got us into comics enough that my parents got us a pool list when we were little. And that would be sort of the carrot to get us to do chores and stuff. Uh, but then we found out that my mom just had all the comics on top of the fridge. So that kind of ruined the, uh, <laughs> like, we just got up on the fridge and read them, Ma. Like, sorry, we didn't want to work as hard after that. Uh, yeah, I think that's the first one that really, like, I was like, man, this is like, like, this is cool. I like these characters. I think really was like, I want more characters. Yeah. And so it was the actual, it was the characters that stood out for you. I think, I think, you know, it's tough to remember, you know what I remember like today, like what, who knows how many years later, 30 something years later is that there's this force field and it's growing and Captain America like sticks his shield, like in the street. Right. Right. Thinking like, I don't know what, like he thought like, this is all it needs. It's just a doorstop. Like all of these buildings, cause it's not affecting buildings, but it ends up like dragging the, the shield, like as it moves and there's a great shot. Like I have no idea who the artist is. Someone out there would be like, Oh, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. Uh, and it drags this, it drags the shield. So there's like a, uh, like a rivet in the street. Um, yeah, I think it's just like, there's a lot of stuff that's like, you know, She-Hawk, I think is punching it. Like everyone's kind of involved. Like they're all doing their powers on this force field. It's just a good time. It's just like some good, pure superhero comicking. <laughs> Straight up, man. Straight up. And so what age were you at this point? Man, I have to see when it, you don't happen to know when that came out, do you? Let me look here. I have no idea. I was young. I mean, not probably real young, but Avengers. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, oh. 1983 is when that came out. 83, yeah. So I would have been uh, six years old. I've been six, just a little guy. Six years old. Awesome, man. Yeah, and so obviously that kind of uh, piqued your interest into comics, but were you drawing at that time? Were you creating your own stories? What was going on kind of creatively? Man, I definitely, I, at that age, I definitely wasn't drawing comics. But like, I remember, like, you know, we'd spend the night at, it's not like, because I'm so old now, man. It's not for me to remember, like, being a kid. Um, but we had those pull lists and it was like the eighties, like the mid eighties. I had the most boring one too. Like, you know, I had Spider-Man, Hulk, Justice League, that's Justice League Detroit. That's, uh, Hulk is in like the Nexus. Uh, Spider-Man's like fighting Time Lord. Like it's the most boring era of having just like the generic sort of mainstream comics. Um, so I didn't have good stuff. Um, and my uncle had like, I remember going to my uncle's and spend the night and we would read like, uh, like all the old Jimmy Olsen's, the Silver Age Jimmy Olsen's. Um, so it was just kind of everywhere around. I'm sure I started, I was always drawing. Um, I can never remember a time I wasn't drawing, but I'm not for sure I was drawing like superhero comic stuff that young. Probably not until I was closer to a tween. Um, but I really can't remember. I, I know I was drawing all the time. My mom used to, my mom was always like, she wanted us to 
if she would like, cause they could, you just leave people alone. Like I remember going to a, a funeral. She's like, you guys just sit out here. Like she would just give us like a, like a college world notebook and an ink pen. And that's good enough. Like that's all I ever needed. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I was drawing comics way back then, but I definitely enjoyed comics. And I, I like, I, I just like comics, man. Like I like the superhero comics back then. That's all there was. It's all that existed for, you know, a small person. Uh, I'm sure that other things did exist, but they weren't privy to me. Yeah, man. Um, and so when, when did you kind of start to create your own stories? I bet probably when I was a teenager. When I was 14, I started working at the uh, local comic book store. Not local to me, but uh, the comic book store. The comic book store also had, like, um, they did video rentals, and they did used music, and they did uh, baseball cards, and used books, and pornography. Um so like I had like a huge access to pop culture. Um, but probably then is when I probably tried to do my first comics. I think one of the things in my life that led to me eventually doing this as I am today is I don't think I ever really finished anything. Um, I don't know if I ever did a full like size comic book ever until I started, like I said, what I'm doing now, um, which was a, a mm. result of me having children is I made a list of things that I never thought I'd be able to do. And one of them was do a full comic. And I ended up doing a book called Legend of Ricky Thunder, available in my story, um, which is a 184-page graphic novel, which is stupid. Uh, that's not <laughs> how you're supposed to do it. Don't do it that way. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever did a full thing. I don't know if I could even remember any of the characters I made up. Maybe like a handful if I really sat down and thought about it. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I I think I was real interested in comics at the time of, like, having fun with it. But then I started finding out about, like, 8-Ball and Hate. And I started doing more, like, dumb, very short, like, autobiographical things. Like, eight, six-page, six-eight-page things. Um, but it was all goose, man. After that, like, I went to college to be a painter. I was going to be a fine artist, I thought. I was working in art galleries. And um, then I realized I had a better chance of being drafted in the NBA than I did of being a professional artist. Uh, and so I started drinking a lot, like, and that was, I didn't do anything for a long time. And like I said, when we started having kids, which was, uh, how old am I now? I'm 43. So that was 12 years ago. Um, when I started having my second one, which is now 10 years ago, I said, I never finished a full comic. I never did it. So I was going to do it. I did legend of Ricky thunder. I really liked it. I did a Kickstarter because I was told I should do a Kickstarter and go to shows. Hmm. Uh, so I used the profits from my Kickstarter to fund me going to conventions in which I met a lot of people uh, who I love to this day, who I miss because I'm not going to see them this year. Uh, and that sort of booted it all. And then I did Sex Castle, which I did as a Kickstarter. And I met Fraction. I met Matt Fraction at a show and he liked it and put me in contact with Image. And literally here I am today, unexpectedly, I'm doing comics professionally and loving it, of course. That's awesome, man. That's that's the dream right there for, for a lot of us. And it's it's so great to hear somebody that's kind of gone through that process um and and, and reach the heights that you are now yeah man and you know, everyone's like, i'm that. sure you found that everybody has a different comics origin story but mine was you know I, I i was literally once i once i did the first one i just loved so much the process of making comics that it's just what i did all the time and i was going to do it all the time i don't i had a vanilla job i had a great union mm -hmm. vanilla job um uh, and i kind of tripped and fell into it and i couldn't be more ecstatic that now but i never would have expected it i never like if you would have told if you would have told 37-year-old, well, that's not that true, but like 25-year-old Kyle Starks, I wouldn't believe you. I'd be like, there's no mm. way. There's no way. That's not real. <laughs> and now, of course, you're, you're a writer for the Rick and Morty comics. 
as well, which is I have actually, I'm no longer no longer, but I I, no I wrote more issues of the comic than there are episodes of the show. That still is true today. I'm the most prolific Rick and Morty creator on the planet. Uh, I love the comic. Or I love the cartoon. I, so writing on the series was a dream. Again, that's something I just tripped and fell into. You know, they asked me to do uh, Invader Zim. And I said, well, I've never seen Invader Zim. And they're like, oh, no, that's what we want. We want fresh eyes. Like, that's what Jonan Vasquez, the creator, wants. Well, it's not. Cool. It's not. It turns out. It turns out. No, that's not what they want. <laughs> oh, um, okay. <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I wish they would have asked me to do a series I liked. Like, something I knew. And, like, I really liked Rick and Morty because I love Community. Um which is Dan Harmon's show prior uh, yes. to Rick and Morty. Uh, and they did. And uh, I was supposed to do five issues and I ended up doing 38 or something like that. I'd, I'd sure like to go back can. to Rick and Morty at some point. Um, but man, it became a whole thing. Like I became just a Rick and Morty guy, you know? And it's like, here I am doing all these creator owned books, Rock Candy Mountain, Sex Castle, killed them all. Uh, it's probably something I didn't even remember to say just now. And it's like no one cares. Like no one's just everywhere I go, it's Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's great. It's been great for my career, and I'm glad I did it. Like, I, and I love Rick and Morty. Like that's the thing. Like I'm down for Rick and Morty, man. Uh, it's I've been very fortunate to only ever have to work on one property, which was Invader Zim, that I didn't really want to. Um, mm. But it was early, and you take what you can. But uh, I'd go back to Rick and Morty. I'm sure I will at some point. But man, it really became the only thing I was known for. And I don't love that since I'm doing what I feel mm. like, you know, I'm doing stuff that's nominated for Eisner's. I'm doing Eisner nominated work and people yeah, just want to talk about Rick and Morty. So. <laughs> yeah, that's frustrating, isn't it? Um, Cause you don't want to pi- get pigeonholed and things. Um, yeah. But, but also um, you know, it, was pay- it paid my bills for almost four years. So like, I, I love Rick and Morty, man. I, I'm not mad about it. It gets me yeah. flown out to shows. I love it. I love Rick and Morty, but it's like, yeah. man, I, I also really love when people want to talk to me about Dead of Winter, which is also a property. But people want to talk about Kill Them All, or they want to talk about my old head, or they want to talk about. I'm trying to look and see what else I have. What else I work on? I guess that's it. Assassination? <laughs> that's not my assassination. Yeah, no one wants to. They want yeah, to assassination. exactly. <laughs> Fair play, man. Um, well, uh, moving back to the conversation with our ape friend at the frozen banana stand, um, he continues to ask you um, along the lines of comics, and he wonders, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Man, you know, this is a really tough question uh, because I I feel like, you know, the, the thing that's interesting is that if this was if this monkey man was here, I would answer only with my books because that's how I am. Um, you know, what's the funniest book? It's still Sex Castle, probably. Uh, but I, I want to think outside of myself. And, you know, I can't remember ever, I'm sure it's happened where I've read a comic and I guffawed, but I take, I've always been kind of, um, I take comedy so seriously, which is mm-hmm. the, sort of how you have to do it, like the craft of it. And I don't know if there's anything that's ever sort of perfectly encapsulated. I feel like, like there, I've been twice nominated for Best Humor Publicist, for Best Humor Publication. I feel like I'm really good at it. I think it was serious. I think like, like Evan Dorkin's Bill and Ted series was a huge influence on me, both as a comedy creator and as someone who's going to work on Rick and Morty. Um, but it wasn't like drop. It wasn't like fall down hilarious. Right. Like that's what I think. Like what's the funniest thing is like, I want to laugh. Um, I think probably I didn't want to do strips, but uh, I think like for comic, I think Perry Bible fellowship is hilarious. Uh, yeah. I think three word phase phrase is hilarious, but for comics, I want to do comics, right? What's the funniest comic. And I think, I'd probably go with um, the Justice League run by Giffen and Demetrius. Um, it does so many things that I do. Um, and it's funny, like there's a lot of pacing jokes. There's a lot of beats. It's really character driven. 
Um, and those are the things that I think are always sort of um, broadly enjoyable as comedy. I think anyone can get like Guy Gardner is very funny and Blue Beetle and Booster Gold are very funny. And uh, Black Canary's sort of uh, straight person reaction to everything is very funny. Like they just, they do so much good work in terms of comedy in the, in, in that series and maintain it. Um, Guy Gardner and Captain Marvel's interactions. Like that's a great, that's a very funny book. Uh, I've met them. I was on a panel in uh, Atlanta and a comedy panel. It was not very funny. Um, the panel itself, which is ironic, right? <laughs> and I said something to, um, to the two of them about the beat panels. Cause I, I had never seen someone do a beat, a beat panels where you do like a reaction panel, right? Like there's no talking, there's no noise or just someone like taking a moment to, th- to think about what the punchline that just happened was or, and they're like, no, like that's been around forever. Like they took it from cartoon strips or whatever. But I thought it was really interesting because it's kind of the first time I saw someone use it in comics. Um, and pacing is so important for any type of comedy. Uh, so yeah. that'd be my pick. That'd be my pick for the funniest comic of of all time. Definitely, man. Um, and uh, so you, do, do you think that that uh, influenced you um, in kind of your, your writing today? For sure, and you know the thing, like I that would have came out when I was working at the comic book store, and that's mid nineties. Right. And the mid nineties were a bad period for comics. Everything was very <laughs> gritty. Everything was very street level. And yeah. I think for me, um, at the time, and I liked most of that stuff. Like I liked all that stuff fine, but it's like it seemed like everything was sort of the same tone. But that's when like Kurt Busiak was coming around, um, like New Warriors was coming out. I think Hitman was coming out around that time. Um, there's another book that was similar, but it, uh, but you know, Justice League was coming at the time. It was like a breath of fresh air. Um, Starman, I think, was around that time, though I might be off on that. Like, there's a few books that were just like, man, these are different from everything else. Uh, and Kurt Busiak, of course, was like a throwback. Like, he's like, I'm gonna keep doing 80s, basically 80s stories. Um, so <laughs> I think that, I think those things, wait, I mean, I'm pretty sure Bill and Ted was at the same time that the things that really stood out as unique and fun in a time when comics were decidedly not fun. Uh, almost intentionally not fun, right? The things yeah. that seemed like people were having fun, a lot of DC stuff. There's a lot of DC stuff that was like superheroes should be fun. Um, and that more than anything, I think, weighed on me as a creator today um, is that I think comics should be fun. I think they should be something you sit down and go, that was fun. Um, and that's what I I endeavor to do. And I think I succeed more often than that, hopefully. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I worry. I worry now about how 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 strong of a path comedy is in comics to success. Um, especially <clears> if you look at like a Chip Zdarsky, who's doing great now that he stopped doing comedy. Um, there's a bunch of dudes like that. Uh, but my thing has always been comics should be fun, and I've done that, and I'm going to continue to do that. Though maybe not every single time. Like I think there's other routes. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but I take comedy real serious. There's a bunch of uh, Gru, I was talking to several people. Like, I loved Gru. We read Gru religiously at my house. And, you know, Gru is like the same joke over and over. It's really like variation of a theme. Uh, but Sergey Aragonis is brilliant. He's genius. Like, even his stuff is just funny to look at. But it's the same thing. It's character driven. It's all character driven and like mm. repeat bits. Um, comedy is hard in comics. Comedy and horror are really hard to do yeah. in comics. Um, I think they're the two hardest things to do. And I think that's why when, and I, I mean, I'm sure you know, based on the history of the show, is that I bet there are similar answers over and over for both of them because uh-huh. it's so hard to do well. Comedy, one, um, comedy is so subject. Like, what's funny to you is not funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. I try to do 
everything. Like I try to make sure I get some fart jokes in there. I want to do broad comedy. I want to do uh, thinking comedy. I try to mix it up. And I think that's why I'm, I have a degree of success doing it, but it's hard, man. Comedy is subjective. What scares people yeah. is subjective. Um, but everyone loves a good superhero fight, you know, like everyone loves to mm. see someone get shot with eye beams. Shoot them <laughs> so with eye beams, instant winner every time. That's just, <laughs> just start your. And then throw in a one line joke at the end there, then that's all good. <laughs> um, and that's something that actually I wanted to kind of speak to you about um, because I, I kind of find uh, comedy difficult to write myself, and just wondered about your process. How do you go about trying to make it funny? I guess sure. that's a simple question. Uh, I would say probably number one is that if, if my number one thing is that if, if it, and it, this is funny because when I met Keith Giffen, um, he told me the opposite, but then he, he, he uh, contradicted himself later at this panel, but he was, my thing is always, if it makes me laugh when I'm doing it, it's going to make someone else laugh. And mm-hmm. maybe it only makes someone else laugh. Who's just like me, but it's like, you know, percentages, like that's probably 25% of the people who read it. Right. Um, yeah. I try not to plan for comedy. Um, I, I don't use, I, when I write for someone else, I use scripts. When I, when I do my own stuff, I do not. I sort of think mm-hmm. about them. I think about them and I let the characters sort of decide what's funny in the moment. Mm-hmm. If I think of a bit in advance that I go, that's funny. Um, I will make a mental note of it. And so that it happens in a natural way. I think that's really important. I don't think you can force comedy. Um, mm-hmm. And also I think pacing is really important. Like, just like an action sequence, which I also take far too seriously. Um, <laughs> you have to have space for comedy, um, which is like, you know, I just, I just did a, I did assassination for skybound, which was 20, 20 pages per issue. And I'm doing another book with skybound right now, which is the same. And for me, it's like, man, a bit's several pages. I, I don't have the, I don't have the real estate that a non-comedy writer has because I have to let these moments breathe. Uh, if you don't set, because it's all pacing, like you have to set up the timing of things. And yeah. for me, you know, that's a very natural thing to, while you're working, while I'm working, it's like, it has to feel right. Um, but it takes up more space. And that's kind of the trick is like, if you want to do big action sequences, if you do want to comedy, then you have to do less of everything else, unfortunately. Uh, that's why I like OGNs too. It's like, I just did Old Head, um, which is my first direct to OGN basically book in a couple of years, which I missed. And it's like, man, all my jokes are great. Like, cause I, there's no page limit, right? It's whatever it takes. Exactly. And that's my preferred way. And I think it works better for comedy too. Um, I think it kind of works better for everything in 2020, uh, the way floppy sales go for non-major books. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the secret is like, if don't, like, if you think of something that's funny in advance, but don't try to force comedy. I also like, mm-hmm. there's things I don't like to do. I generally don't like gags. I don't like visual gags. Um, right. Because they feel cheap. Like, if you were watching a movie, if you went and saw, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of who. If you went and saw a Kevin Hart movie or whatever today, mm-hmm. and he's doing, like, three Stooges, like, physical gags, right? You'd be right. like, unless it was uh, an homage, like a clear homage or, like, what is this cornball nonsense? And so I avoid that stuff as much as possible. That's not the same as doing, like, there's visual-based comedy and like, I don't love puns, but I like to throw a pun in every now and then because people love puns. Shakespeare loved yeah, puns, right? Can be fun. uh, they can be fun. I think I don't love them. But also, as I said, my thing is like, I know people do. So if I think of a pun that's funny to me, I'm putting it in there because I know someone's going to think it's great. Though, by and far, like, I'm not doing pun jokes. Like, that's just, that's not my style. Uh, I really <laughs> like character driven stuff, like I said, but I, I think you need all those other mm-hmm. things. Um, the broader it is, the, the more people will get 
it's like going to when you go to a comedy club, right? And you go and sit down and you go, this is going to be funny. Like I am here in this environment. And I think all of those other things, they set it up for eventually there will be hopefully like at least one joke in that book of a series of jokes. Like, That's good. Though again, I'm not doing jokes. I'm doing, I do moments. I do right. like bits um, more than I do jokes. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see that. Um, but I think <laughs> if it makes you, if it makes you laugh, like authentically, you're like, that's funny. I've had, I've had several, like I just did a, I did a, a free comic book day book called karate prom. And there are two or three bits in there that were not like here. So when I, when I'm doing a work, I, I, I sort of outline it and that's it. These are the beats I want to happen. One, two, three. Like this is what happens at the beginning, right? This happens next. Mm. This is the ending. And I just kind of move from point A to point B to C. And I don't, I don't write, I do not recommend anyone do this. It's terrible. Um, I redraw a bunch of pages. Don't do this, but this is how I do it. And since I'm doing it for me, I'll do, I'm glad to do more work, right? Like I'll do a 16 page panel or 16 panel page. I would never ask someone else to do that, but I'll do it. Um, because yeah. for me, it's necessary in that moment. Um, but there's a couple bits in that book specifically that if I, and the thing is like even old books, like I, I slipped in through um, uh, like Sex Castle the other day, Killed Them All because Killed Them All just got re-optioned. Um, and there's like bits, I'm like, that's funny. You know, I'm like, that's funny. And that's, that's the thing is like, if I still think it's funny, you know, five or six years later, that's good. That's good for me because who did I write it for really? Like I'm, I'm putting things in the world that I want to exist. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so if I still think it's funny five or six years later, like that's a classic baby. That's what you call a classic, a classic, <laughs> making classics for myself. <laughs> so you're right man i think that's what creativity is about and you know if other people like it great I yeah think. you figure my thing is always my thing is always like i said comics should be fun one two yeah. i'm trying to put things in the world that i want to exist because i have that ability like i i've gained this ability to put what i want out in the world and because of that i want things that i want to exist in the world um and i've been real lucky so like i said outside of maybe Invader Zim, like I've yet to have to do anything that was work for me. It's just me having fun mm-hmm. telling the stories I want to tell. And I've been very lucky that way. Um, but yeah, I'm make, I mean, I'm really making these stories for myself and people like me, though also that's less true now because now I worry about, you know, uh, the 50,000 people theoretically that might read something like, but I'm still doing it. Like I'm mm-hmm. everything I do is still the thing that I want to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've been very lucky. I've been super lucky, awesome. mega lucky. You know what that that gives me some hope for this for this year. You know, it's been a really tough year for Ugh. for myself and a lot of people I know. And you you saying saying that kind of just that last bit of conversation gives me a, a lot of hope and, and uh, brightness in in my life today. So thanks very much, Kyle. Oh, nice, um, absolutely, man. And, uh, and and changing gears, unfortunately, moving <laughs> to the next question. <laughs> exactly, is that um, we we're going back to the frozen banana stand, and uh, our ape friend asks, "What's the saddest comic that you've read?" Oh my god! All right, yeah. you know what? I thought about this a lot, and I thought there were some things that I thought were sad, and then I sort of I sort of went back to them. I'm like, they're not as sad as I remember them being. Um, and I was like, man, I know I've read something that just has knocked me out. Uh, and I, I went and looked through like my, my shelf of books. I'm like, I know there's something that I think is just mega sad and I know I'm probably missing something. Um, but I reread we three, uh, by Morrison and quietly. Cause I knew it was mm-hmm. sad and I remember it as sad. Uh, my dude, that book is way sadder than I remember it being. I think I might've done like some blacking out, like some personal protection, uh, I don't know how many times We Three has came up on your podcast, but that is a sad book. That is a tragic, sad book. And 
Uh, I would put it up in the uh, the sad comic tournament any day and put my money on it. <laughs> we should do like a, a battle royale or something. I'd be really interested to see like a list, but also you shouldn't do that because it encourages people to just to listen to older podcasts. But I'd really like yeah. to see like what's coming up, especially for these early ones, because like funny and sad. And I know horror is coming up like that's not a big pool of great works. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like it has yeah. to be sort of the same at best 10 comics sort of over and over, I would think. Definitely. I'm going to I'm going to do a tally. Um, I think in in time for for our hundredth episode, um, yeah. Then I think that's quite, that good, sure. that's quite a nice sample size, like a hundred yeah, yeah. comic creators. I think that kind of yeah. I don't um, know if you've read We yeah, Three, man. That's a sad book. Yeah. So tell us more because I, I I haven't read it. Obviously, I've kind of I've looked it up um, oh in preparation for this interview. But give it give, give us kind of what what's kind of the general synopsis. Here's what We Three is about. The the U.S. military is trying to weaponize pets, animals, like, but they're domestic animals because they're domesticated animals. They sort of follow instructions and they've sort of remote controlled them. Um, but it's a dog, it's a cat, and it's a rabbit. We three, it's one, two, and three. One's the dog, two's the cat. Um, the dog can kind of speak, but it's like mm-hmm. dog speak. Um, man, I'm so. So anyway, so terrible. So basically what happens is um, it starts with this, this mission quietly, of course, knocks it out of the ballpark because he's brilliant. This is early quietly too. So he's doing a little bit of experimenting, but not a lot. Um, they do this assassination. The military is like, that's great. Um, let's go on with it. Go ahead and decommission these three. Go ahead and get rid of these three. Right. Sad. All right. They're going to kill the sweet babies. So lady scientists, um, basically lets them free it's three comics it's only three issues it's only three issues so she lets these animals out thinking they will kill her also on the rampage um they'll kill everybody but they don't they let her live and they just want to get away and they just want to escape they they can only live so long without medicine so like they're not going to live that long anyway each mm-hmm. issue opens up with um a missing pet and it's the dog the cat and the rabbits. So, I mean, not only are they doing these experiments on animals, there's somebody's pets. Um, I don't want to give a lot away. They end up like, it's just every moment is sad. This dog is amazing. I'm a real dog. I mean, I'm a cat guy too, but like we have dogs. I love dogs. This dog is like the perfect dog. It just wants to be, it just wants like approval. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they, like they go to bat for each other. And of course it gets worse and worse and worse. Like there's this, every moment is sad and tragic. Even the end, which is kind of a, like tilts slightly upwards, is still kind of sad. I guess I think it's the saddest book I've ever read. I'm sure it's. I'm sure there's something else, like I said, but I just reread it, and it's sadder than I remember. Uh, we three, I think it's a classic. I think it's also like for many for many many series. Like that is like for the amount of work they get in, um, for mm-hmm. what happens and how powerful it happens. And how hard they hit those beats. It's amazing. We three is amazing. I mean, it's Morrison and Quietly. Like, I, I, you, know, you shouldn't have to sell that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, there's a Morrison and Quietly. <laughs> um, I think um, I, I, my memory is Pride of Baghdad, which I think came out the same time as also very. So that's the other one. I, but I couldn't, I couldn't find my copy. So um, yeah, I, want, I, I wonder what other people say, honestly. I know they. Yeah. Like, it's varying. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, so you, like, you, like you know what the saddest is when Gwen Stacy, like really, like you cried when Gwen Stacy died off camera. 
No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't know you didn't. Like that's the thing is like, man, that's what I, I really I'd really love to see what the pitch was for Morrison. Yeah. Because it's a great it's a great action book. I mean, it's a great action right, yeah. comic. It's a great right. sci-fi comic. But more than anything, like unless you just don't like animals, unless you have like no like you're just a complete sociopath, don't care about animals. Like other you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a fun book. But man, it's tragic. Every aspect of it is tragic, and they keep having more and more tragic moments. But I also like I think it's like whenever like there's a, the opposite emotion of when like someone comes in to for the rescue, where it's the it's the opposite of sad. But internally, to me, I feel the same way. Does that make sense? Like the tightness yeah. in my chest is the same as when I'm very sad. But now it's going the opposite direction. Now it's like it's growing. Um, it's a lot of that. So it's kind of the same feeling of sadness, even when good things are happening to me. We three, man. I, 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 that's a hard wreck. That's a classic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really emotionally scarred you. This is going to the yeah. top of my reading pile, by the way, Carl. Yeah, I, it's so. on, I don't know if you guys have Hoopla, if you have access to Hoopla, which is like the library that we have here. Um, you should see no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to buy to buy paperbacks and yeah. Um, oh, it's worth it, dude. I tell you, it's Frank. It's quite Lynn Morrison. Like it looks well, great. Yeah, it exactly. reads you great. Can't go yeah. wrong. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. I think um, it was the no, first yeah, thing they did too. Though I'm sure your your listeners would just. I think that's kind of how they started working together. Um, yeah, I really. After that. Yeah, I think, that was the genesis yeah. of it. I think so, but I could be way. It's the yeah. earliest thing I remember because I know. I say I know. I'm almost certain it's pre X Men and all that jazz, and you can tell in the art like Quietly's like. He's, he does a lot of stuff that's so experimental. It feels like someone who's new um, because it doesn't quite work, you know, like it works, but it doesn't, it's not like you go, whoa, that's amazing. So it feels like someone new uh, in a lot of ways. It's someone's, someone's like, this guy's totally wrong. Uh, and I might be, but it's the earliest thing I remember reading about. It. It's really good. I wrecked a we three to everyone, unless you're feeling very good. Don't ruin your debt. Even though it's great. It's great all around. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now, uh, changing gears once again, um, our ape friend at the Frozen Banana Stand asked, what's the scariest comic that you've read? I think this one was really hard, too. I think because horror in comics is very, it's mega difficult um, because of, you can't do any of the things, like, you can't do any of the things that a movie can do in terms of horror mm-hmm. um, with jump scares and um, like music and sort of like tense environments. Like comics is hard to do that in. Um, I said lock and key, um, not because I so much look back and go, man, that was a really scary comic. Cause I don't think it is, but I think it successfully does some of those things. And I think that's really impressive. The first time you see the well, I think there's, there's a lot of dread. Um, I believe that that book, and again, it's been a while. Uh, I wanted to reread it before, the show came back, but I don't have my copy. My copies became water damaged. Apparently uh, a lot of my stuff became water damaged. It's very upsetting. Uh, I think it successfully mm-hmm. does a jump scare at one point or on a page turn, it does a jump scare. And that's amazing. Like that is technically super impressive. Uh, that book has a bunch of technical stuff. Like when uh, they do the giant key and all the pages are splash pages. That's brilliant. Um, when Bodie is like outside of his body, like there's a real, and uh, the baddie whose name I can never remember is inside of him. Like that's a real, dread like because you know something bad's going to happen right i think it does that very well um i know there's some stuff that i really liked because at one point in time like you said horror and comedy are very similar i have a uh uh a mini comic i did that's a lot of horror comics i did uh called it could always be worse uh available in my store um <laughs> i think maybe maybe it's not i don't know it will uh, be. it's in the show notes go, go, go uh, check it out guys all right <laughs> see if i have it on there 
and I, so I was really interested in the pacing of horror at the time. Um, I'm reading Monster right now by uh, Naoki Uesawa. And there's this bit, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but basically there's like this super evil character who's sort of mysterious. Um, and he shows up every now and then and you're always like, oh man, something bad's going to happen. Though nothing does on panel, which is amazing. But there's mm-hmm. a bit where he's like on this roof and uh, no one knows he's the bad guy that we know he is, right? And he's going to help this guy up on the roof. So he reaches his hand, he's climbing the ladder. He reaches his hand out to lift him up right? or presumably to lift him up, right? But because we know this character... You're like, oh my God, something terrible is about to happen and nothing happens. Spoilers, nothing happens. But like <laughs> that's that degree of fear is so difficult to achieve in comics. Um, yeah. Horror is really hard, man. And I probably haven't read enough. Like I, I think like Scott Snyder's Witches, like, like there's lots of out there. It's like, oh, that's a good scary comic. It's like I read it, it's like, I don't know. It's always like gory. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm never really scared. It's like always the kind of Wolfman scary. Like it's like there's a monster and monster things are happening, but it's not really scary to me. Um, I know Genjo Ito, Genji Ito has a bunch of, like, I just can't, I, every time I look at it, like those, those whole shape in the mountain, like, man, it creeps me out. It creeps me out so bad. I don't read it. So I, that guy's probably the scariest. I think he's historically the scariest, but I'm too scared to read him. Uh, so, <laughs> so I can only go with what I know. Genjo Ito. You don't know that guy? Yes. Genjo uh, Ito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's that's some scary shit, man. Yeah, yeah, I can't read it. There's one I saw. I saw a still image once of where like a there's like a hole cut into a, a like a sofa, and someone had been. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm out. I'm out on that. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, when <laughs> when you start having sharks with legs that are walking on land, it's like okay. There's the people um, who have like spiral yeah. faces. I don't know. I you scare me. The whole me, spiral buddy. thing is yeah. freaky, man. <laughs> I think, he's, I think like if someone's like who's the best like i say he's like that guy's the best but it's like i couldn't be like let me tell you all the things like i've only seen like very little but that, everything i saw was scary in a way that nothing else really is i think like with the um the needle in the eye the old uh that started the comics code or was involved in the comics code uh i think bernie is right maybe i don't remember you know what i'm talking about there's like the needle like right by the eye it's like okay hard pass on that too but that was way back like swamp thing or like, this stuff's not really scary to me. It's just like gothic or, I don't know, horror is yeah. hard. Horror and comedy, man, those are hard. If you can do horror well and you can pull it off of comics, you, first of all, get ready to jump to film because it's hard in film too. Um, yeah. I think it's hard, man. I think comedy, I think horror is really hard. You just lose so yeah. much on the page. You have to tell a different kind of horror and it's an implied horror. It's, I don't know how often it's very scary, but the, if you can get a good scary moment, mm-hmm. uh, that's impressive. I'll have to go back. I'd love to see that horror list because I don't. I, I'd be speculating. I don't know. I'll keep I'm you not scared updated. often. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, my favorite question: Our ape friend uh, back at the banana stand asks, uh, "What's your favorite cover?" This is your favorite question. Yeah, man. I just find it really interesting. Why? What? What people's uh, favorite cover? I was is. Like, like, you like, love, you love covers. <laughs> I sure do, man. <laughs> covers are interesting because you know, like a cover is so important, right? Like a, no one's going to buy a bad cover. The the yeah. the word of mouth would have to be crazy, and like what what defines a good cover is so mm-hmm. it's it's just it's 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 so subjective. I think. I mean, good design is good design, and there's a reason why, like like uh, Dark Knight number three or whatever is like a, a, like everyone knows that that Watchmen with the with the the button on it. Yeah. Um, like there's a reason why those things work. It's because they're so well designed. Um, you know, I, I did a different answer. I have a couple of answers, but 
Um, the sure, covers, if you're like, man, the cover, like the ones that blew me away, and probably because of the timing, because it says about to go to college to be a pine, uh, to be a fine artist. Like those Dave McKeon, the early Dave McKeon, like clearly shadow box like structures that he was like he was doing like high art for those Sandman covers, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Those are beautiful covers that I don't think get enough respect. Like Dave McKeon was doing work on those Sandman covers, um, but they're almost too esoteric, I think, for mainstream comic fans. Um, yeah. My my personal favorite um, is uh, is Rick and Morty number thirty four, uh, variant B. Look at that, very specific. Rick and Morty uh, the, did a ton of variants, <laughs> a bunch of good ones, a bunch of good ones. Um, uh, there's a an artist named Emmett Helen who did uh, quite a few that I really liked. Um, I know them personally, I like them, but they, I didn't know they did these covers until after the fact. Um, but variant B for 34 was a uh, cover by Chris Schweitzer. It's an issue that I wrote and drew about Crombopulous Michael, who at the time was a character I was really, I'm still, I love Crombopulous Michael. Um, yeah, straight out, man. But, but Schweitzer did this sort of like, he does this a lot. He does a lot of prints that are the same way where he does like movie posters. And he mm-hmm. basically did like this sort of like, you know, like Casablanca style movie yeah. poster for Crombopulous Michael. Um, and it's a great cover. It's just a great cover. I, it, I think it's my favorite Rick and Morty cover. I don't think there's any question. It's way up there. But also, like, Chris Schweitzer and I went on to do Mars Attacks together. He colored Rock Candy Mountain. Like, we were, we had became friends before. Um, Chris Schweitzer, who he lives like an hour south from me, is my best friend in the world. I love working with him. We're doing a Skybound book together now. Um, nice. It's kind of the first thing we did together, but also I, I, I sincerely love it. I think it's my favorite cover in the run. I'm sure Schweitzer doing it has some influence, but I think it's really, I really like when I like the movie style poster aesthetic and I like yeah. seeing it in comics and people don't only don't, it doesn't happen enough. Like it's such a cool aesthetic to do. Um, and maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe it doesn't sell as well. I think like comics sort of have a sort of standard, expectation and then you're hoping to design well within the expectation of what it covers i can't do it i suck mm. at covers um <laughs> there's something about a big dramatic image that's not my strength uh i i say to Schweit, like man there's I, I can't do design i can't do coloring i'm really bad at coloring or i'm really average at coloring which is worse uh <laughs> but i can't do design and i was going to be when i was going when i went to be a painter it's funny i'm, I'm going to be a painter right and i'm like this is not going to work this is not this. This is me wasting money. I took a bunch of graphic design courses, and I was like, "Well, this will be. I'll, uh, I'll still be able to be a creative for a living." But I could. I, it's not that guy's even so bad at it. I I rushed it. I never really figured out any of it, and I still can't figure it out. Like I kerning on letters, man. I'll never know when it's right. I'll never know when it's right if I'm doing it personally. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I love that cover. I also really like uh, my joke answer is Avengers uh, two twenty three, which is the one where. Um, Hawkeye has Ant-Man on the end yeah, of his bow. An and it says, yeah, so cool. it says, someone's going to get it. That's the, te- <laughs> the text that I cover is someone's going to get it. Like that's, that is such a bonkers. There's no background. That's no. a good one. That's for a good bonkers yeah. cover. I'm into that. I think every kid's going to buy that comic. Why you would know? you not? He's got Ant-Man on his get? bow. <laughs> Let's go. Someone's going to get it. <laughs> I want to know who's going to get it so bad. I'll, I'll part with 60 cents. <laughs> yeah, to man. get that copy that's what it was that's what it says on the cover crazy <laughs> yeah man and you know what like I mean, this is a different conversation entirely but you know like i don't know what atari force number 20 costs but i bet you it's less than a dollar right yeah. i guarantee you it's less than a dollar and it sold like two hundred and twenty thousand copies one hundred eighty thousand, like almost two hundred thousand copies right yeah like think like why 
that conversation never comes up in comics anymore. Right? Gosh. Why but is yeah, it? People go, people go, oh, because you can pirate it and because who has time to go to the store and blah, blah, you know, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, man, but they're also $5 now. Yeah, exactly. It's $5 so, yeah. for less pages. Why don't we talk yeah. about that more, man? It's really tough, podcast. isn't it? I mean, it's it's really, really difficult, isn't it? Um, and of course, it, it kind of feels like they're going for um, kind of you know, people with more disposable income that read them when they were kids and are Yeah, well, now. that's, that's what, what about it is. the generation that is coming up? Yeah, you know? that's a mistake. Um, here's, what, here's what I say in 2020 with mainstream American comics, because in other countries it's different and they do their mm-hmm. commerce and their business different. American comics is the music equivalent of leaning into vinyl. Right. You know, it's like, we're like, hey, look at this more expensive collectible version. That's what we want you to buy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, that's fine. But like, the thing is like, where is the option? We, I feel like this again, this is a different longer podcast. I'm sure I, cause I will go off and I don't want to. It's like, where's the <laughs> option for the people who went and saw Black Panther and really liked it, but don't want to spend $5. Don't want to go to a very specialized location that maybe they don't even have. Like, where's that option? Where's it? That's, and I feel like that's what comics needs. And that's what comics probably should have figured out right now during this pandemic. Um, but they won't, you know, we're best media, worst industry, you know, uh, I'm really interested in that. I think Webtoon is doing something interesting in that line that they've sort of figured Mm -hmm. out how to have a model that is available to everyone, but also has options to, to profit. Um, I think people will always want a book if they love it, they will always want to own a book and have it on their shelf so they can go back to it. Um, and I think that's what comics needs to figure out is like, how do you do both? How do you have an option? I, I, why is it not a subscription? Why, why isn't there a Netflix of comics? And I know like you were like, people yeah. are like, what about comicsology? I mean, it's like, it's not the same, my dude. Like why, mm. why doesn't, I'm, why does Are you aware of comic house, Kyle? No, I don't know comic house. Yeah. So check out comic house. It's a UK based app. See UK, um, this is the, UK does a bunch of like, like you guys do. Is there a Phoenix still exist? Is the Phoenix still around? Yes, Phoenix is still, still, still going, man. It's awesome. My, yeah. my niece, I mean, my nieces get it. You uh like like they like especially obviously Japan but like you know the UK is able to do like these anthologies and those anthologies like people are stoked about them. You could not do that. There's just we had Dark Horse Presents and that's the closest. And I bet mm. sales were not great for whatever reason. I was talking to my wife about this last night. For whatever reason, Americans just don't enjoy an anthology comic. Why? I don't know. Like I think like if I can figure out why, maybe you could like sort of be like we just don't. We just don't want that. But Shonen Jump comes out, what, every week, right? Something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so people are paying X every week because they enjoy collecting them, one. Two, they want to read their story. I don't know. Like, American comics, I think, just really shake it up in some way. I'm going to check out this comics yeah. house uh, for sure. Um, I think yeah, other places. Like, 2000 AD has been going around forever. Oh, man, and yeah. think about how many spinoffs, how many successful people spin off out of that to other things. It's crazy. Um Comics House, Webtoons, there's a way to do it that's maybe not free. Someone's going to figure it out. Whoever figures out hopefully makes a bunch of money for saving comics in America, uh, especially <laughs> this week, right? I mean, not, you, you're aware of Alterna Press, Kyle, as well. Uh, I've heard of Alterna Press, yeah. Yeah, and like the newspaper print that they're using yeah. to kind of so like bring it cheaper. down. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, man. But like, I don't, like, if, here's the trick for stuff like that. And it, we're segueing off real hard. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, new publishers, it's, a new everything has to be in in terms of pop culture uh consumption most people aren't hunting and gathering all right they're not seeking things out and they're going these are the i know what's good i know what's bad i'm looking for that thing 
what people need is for a, the mass to be like, oh, this thing is good, right? This thing is good. Therefore, I'm telling you it's good. And you go, okay, it's good. Thank you. Um, and for these new publishers, like you really have to have like a home run of a book for people to go crazy about it. I think Vault's doing pretty good right now. Like Vault has a few things. Boom had a few things early. It's um, just sort of like to carry themselves, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I had another answer, but it just uh, it just disappeared on me. Vault. Oh, man. Um, uh, this grit with Scout Comics, like I don't know what it's about, but I know it's going for a second printing. Like that's big. Oh, you know what? Sarah, like Sarah at TKO. Like do you think TKO didn't have like a Garth Ennis book? Like I don't know if anyone would still care, right? But that, it's Garth Ennis yeah. and Garth Ennis is good and that's a good book. And Steve Epting does great art on it, right? These for a new publisher, it's tough. It's like to me, I think the other thing is like I remember when Alternative started. Is a lot of people are like, well, it 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 looks and feels cheap. It's like, yeah, it's not five dollars. That's the effing point, right? Like that's the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> it's to try to get more people to read it. I'm all for that. Like I'm not one of those dudes. Like I'm not a technophile. I'm not audiophile. I never go, man. You know, this sounds fine on a cassette, but I can't tell the difference. My thing is always like, I want to consume stories. Uh, yeah. I don't want to put it in a bag, and I don't want to put it in a box. I want to consume pop culture and like everyone i don't want to spend a lot of money for it and the thing is today these kids man they 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 figured out how not to ever spend any money but it's like they will spend 14 dollars on netflix they will spend four dollars on patreon or on a uh, at one point it was those blind box subscriptions and Mm -hmm. these guys will do this if no one's cashing in on what what the the model consumption method is for new buyers and for young people. And that's what we should be. That Webdings is doing great. I think a lot of that is because, um, well, I wonder, in fact, either it's because sort of manga style is really enticing to younger people, or mm-hmm. it's what they've seen the most of because it's the, it's the freest thing with cartoons and Webtoons is free. Like you just like, this is the aesthetic I like. Like, is it the aesthetic that you naturally like or it's the aesthetic that you like because of your environment, right? Like, it's nature versus nurture. Um, I wonder a lot of that stuff. It's like, I think comics are going to change in some way. Not change entirely. I think this model will always exist. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really interested. I, I, I'm always looking at, like, I've been doing Kickstarter. Kickstarter, I think, you know, if Kickstarter didn't exist, which is a modern contrivance or whatever, I wouldn't be where I am now because I found a way to self-publish in a way that a lot of people could see it thanks to social media. Cause 20 years ago, I wouldn't be doing this yeah. 20 years ago. I'd have to live in New York. Right. Or I'd have to yeah. have sure. met someone in New York and right. Um, so like Kickstarter is such a huge deal for people because now you can publish anything, um, especially if it's good, especially if it's something that people are interested in. Um, but I feel like there's gonna be something next. Like there's gonna be a next thing, which is yeah, next uh, maybe webtoons. So. If that's yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I can go on at length on this because I think yeah, it's so no, it's a fascinating conversation, isn't it? Um, yeah. and, 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 and having these conversations also helps us work this stuff out as well, you know, because yeah, it's I, it, I because we're all kind of isolated in our own little bubbles and things. And like you don't necessarily have long conversations about this stuff, which we need in order Man, to figure I, this I, stuff out. I guess I tell you what, I, I do about 36 conventions a year, like I average two a month, right? Right. And yeah. the hardest thing, one, the money, like, is I even like losing out on the money because I've not made money for four months now. It's that, right. uh, you know, it's with all the stuff that was going as again, my wife, who I, is, is in my bubble and therefore the only person I ever speak to, when yeah. all the stuff that was going down uh, a couple weeks ago or a month ago with all the sort of predatory nature of men in comics, right. um, 
And my talk, I was like, you know what? I've, I've done nearly 200 shows in the last five years. You know, like a ridiculous amount of shows. And it's like, I've never heard someone say that they hooked up. I've never seen someone, I've never seen any of it. But it's like, you know what? I go to these shows and I talk about business. I talk about page rates and what people are working on. Mm-hmm. And I don't go to BarCon. It's like, I go to talk about this conversation right now. It's like, man, what do you think about this and that? Like, uh, what publishers is great? Who editors are great? And it's never any of all this other stuff. So it's like, man, this conversation, this is like, and I, I love doing podcasts because I get to talk about things that I don't get to talk about with my wife, but she doesn't care. It's yeah. like all these conversations, I get those twice a month at, at conventions when I see my peer family, when I see my friends mm-hmm. and I get to talk about comics and the business of comics. And I'm not an expert. I'm a little fish. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Mr. Morrison quietly have different opinions because they have a different perspective. They're at a different angle than I am, you know? Um, and so I'm fascinated with it. I'm fascinated. Like I said, talking about publishers, talking about, uh, how people work. Oh, you're doing digital. What are you using to do digital? How do you do this when you're doing digital? But wait, why are you lettering? Like all the stuff, what are you, are you using? Oh, iPad pro, blah, blah, blah. I'm fascinated. It's like, that's what I miss the most about the pan- from the pandemic is I missed seeing my peers and having these conversations yeah. more than anything is I missed, I missed talking shop, man. Yeah, it's been a real tough year, hasn't it? In so in so many ways, um, but uh, ho- hopefully next year things will get uh, back going again, and we'll get conventions. Well, I'm going not again. I'm not optimistic, but I hope so. No, exactly. I hope so. Kind of, you know, expect the worst, but hope for the best. I guess um, it's uh, it's tough, isn't it? Um, but uh, move, moving back to our frozen banana stand, yeah, banana no, man, the world to rats. Exactly. Um, uh, are you aware of? Banana Man, the cast, the English cartoon. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Great. Yeah, I just, I just thought you might get a kick out of that because Banana Man yeah, is just like, very good. It's, such, it's such a ridiculous cartoon. <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, listeners, if you haven't heard of it, go check it out. You'll see, you'll find a cliff on YouTube. It'll be hilarious. Um, anyway, here we did like late Nick and Night, and it had Banana Man. Right. Who's the um, the Spy Mouse with the eye patch? Like they would show Banana Man and they'd show those guys like a spy. I think it was a spy, like a spy mouse, and he had like a a little sidekick. I think it was a mole. Anyway, was a, like they'd show a fair amount of like uh, like British cartoons, like as like a like a collection. Da- Danger Mouse, sorry, Kyle. Danger Mouse, yeah, Danger Mouse. I thought I was like I was like, did I am I like some sort of fever dream? <laughs> like, did I make that up? There's no way. Danger Mouse. Yeah, they used to show like a, like a bunch of them. like they were great. I loved all of them. Surely had some oh, sort of influence cool. today too. I bet. Oh no doubt, no doubt. So our, my friend, who's who's just like by the way loitering at my banana stand. Yeah, still loitering I'll with buy, you. I'll buy like, more bananas. You've got a massive queue now, a massive line at your at your banana stand. But he asks you, what's the most meaningful comic to you? The yeah, meaningful is like that's a tough one too. But I kind of immediately yeah. knew the answer um, when, like I, like I said, we're ha- when I. I when I started having kids, I, was, I made a list of things that I never thought I would have the time to do. Well, you used to have a daughter, you know. Um, yeah. It, it, selfish, like, selfish pursuits be, became very upsetting to me. Like I felt like my time, I was just losing all the personal time to do the dumb stuff um, that I could do before I had children. I was about to have my <laughs> second child, so I made a list. And one was uh, to do a full comic, like I said. But I think like the, really the impetus, like I didn't read comics for a long time. Um, I was drinking a lot and going to bars a lot. Uh, comics were sort of bad when I left them. Um, like I said, mid nineties, late nineties. Uh, but someone had introduced me to the works of Jason, uh, the Norwegian cartoonist 
and they're incredible. Um, they're brilliant. Uh, they all feel like um, sort of hit. Are you familiar with Jason at all? Uh, and I wasn't at all. No. Oh um, so like it was, so it was Jason, it really today. enlightening. Yeah. So Jason is a Norwegian car- cartoonist who does these sort of like Hitchcockian genre mashups, but everything is these, everyone has like, anim- they're like, like they're animals, but they're very simply drawn. Everything's very mm-hmm. sparse. The pacing's very slow, but with intent. Um, I think the first one and probably the biggest known is a book called um, I Killed Hitler, which is about uh, a world where everyone's kind of a hitman, which is to me amazing. Um, <laughs> and this, they make a time machine and the guy goes back to, to kill Hitler. They kind of like, they have a lot It's like Hitchcockian. There's sort of like soft humor to them, but also mm-hmm. it's great. It's like what if you like everyone's a hitman, like hitman's like, like working at a grocer. It's just a job you can do. It's no big deal. Um, and it sort of turns into these, these sort of madcap antics. Um, I was introduced to him because uh, one of my friends was like, Oh, you should check out these books at the library. So I got, I killed Hitler, uh, the last musketeer, which is about, uh, uh, Anthos from the three musketeers who's immortal and ends up going into space. Like flash Gordon does like a little flash Gordon. It's great. Um, uh, but I remember looking at these, you know, someone, someone said, I remember sitting next to Eric Henderson once and someone's like, man, your art's so good, but it's, by the way, this is entirely incorrect. <laughs> they're like, oh man, I look at your, I look at your comics and it makes me feel like I could do it too. And it's meant to be a compliment. But it is sort of backhanded. But with these Jason comics, if you, if you see them, they're very sparse. They're very simple. It's very linear Kaler. Um, it's very, the lines all have the same weight. Um, and they're short. They're like an 80 page, it's like an 80 page story. And that's it. That's the whole thing. And when I was looking at these, I was like, I could, like, I could do this. Like, I, I should have been doing this. Like, I, I can do the same thing. But I was, it's always for me, and I think it's true of everyone who's sort of trying and not is like, there's always a reason not to do it. It's like, oh, I'm not, okay. I'm not great. <laughs> I'm not great at backgrounds or my, my, uh, my anatomy is bad. Listen, those things are all true for me and look at me today. Um, but I remember looking at Jason, but the thing is also like, I love, I love Hitchcockian things. I love like early M. Night Shyamalan because it felt like what if Hitchcock did some sci-fi? Mm-hmm. Um, so they drew me in. There's a book called the East Bank gang, which is about like, um, uh, all the writers who lived in Paris, um, probably in like the sixties, I'm so bad at times, but instead of it, it's like, um, uh, I don't, you know, like Hemingway and, uh, mm. Fitzgerald and a couple other guys. I think there's an artist, like a painter in there too. I can't remember. It's been a while since I read it, but it's like, Oh, this actually happened, right? They, they were all sort of like living in Paris together, this sort of creative hub. But in the case of, of Jason's East Bay gang, they decided to do a heist. Um, right. something that's always like these really clever little twists, little plays, um, and they're 80 pages in and out, which I love. I love a whole story. Yeah. Um, I couldn't follow, I could not follow Spider-Man for 40 years. I just couldn't do, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not going to like him for that. I just won't. And there's no, like, there's no, there's no, uh, risk, you know, and the character is always going to be there as long as the issues are selling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But Jason, I'd say Jason, those three books, all of them, um, I think his anthologies are a little, are a little rough, but there's always a gold in there. But he did a bunch of books, uh, Werewolves in Montpellier. Uh, he did one called, uh, I can't remember, but those, uh, I Killed Hitler, Last Musketeer, East Bank Gang. Like, man, that's three. I'll buy whatever that guy puts out. They're always, cl- and, he, and they're, they're translated too. So I can only imagine like they're better if you see the originals, but they're very like just succinct. But for me, I one, I love them because I think 
they're different from what you expect from a comic in a way that's wildly successful. But also because like, to me, I look at Jason as like, man, if it wasn't for Jason, I wouldn't be making comics because I wouldn't have seen how it was possible for me to do it. Right. Uh, and in sort of a that's format. Awesome, yeah. That's part of getting yourself off of the ground, isn't it? Kind of being able to see a path to success. Yeah. To see an op- even just to see an option, you know, and I, like I think yeah. Kickstarter like, again, is that for a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. But it's just like he would do. It's just like his 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 choices. This is the choices he'd make in panels. I was like, oh, sh- I don't have to do like I don't have to do all these things that I didn't want to do. Um, and a lot of that is being clever in story in a way, um, being clever in story in a way that you can afford doing the work that you don't really want to do. Uh, I've always said like if you want a really good comic, you either have to have you can either have great writing and bad art, right, or great art and bad writing. Though I tend not to enjoy those as much. Or you can have like perfectly fine writing and perfectly fine art. And I feel like that's what Jason showed me. And that's what I did. It's like, I can be perfectly <laughs> fine at both of those. And it'll be a fun comic, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are the most meaningful to me. I think just because they inspired me at a very important time in my life. And I think they're great. I highly recommend those, those three books awesome. especially. There's a fourth one I can't think of that's also very good. Um, but I'm blanking on it, so that's no good. Yeah. But no, um, no, it's it's really interesting. I wasn't aware of it either, so uh, that that is also going to be added to my uh, to my long, long, long reading list. Uh, yeah, I think and, they uh, just I think they just uh, reprinted "I Kill Hitler" in like a maybe a a, a larger size, uh, like a more dramatic size, right? Yeah, like an oversized, like kind of A four kind of. Yeah, size, I think they just did, I think or maybe they just did like a hardcover reprint. I don't know, but it's good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, and uh, talking of uh, adding to the reading list, uh, the next question that comes up is what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Yeah, this one's pretty easy for me. Um, and I do have two answers because I think they're both important. Um, I think Kaiju Max uh, by Xander Cannon is criminally underrated. That mm. is, uh, has that been brought up on the show before? No, that has not been on the show. So Xander Cannon is, is a secret is a secretly great cartoonist, an amazing cartoonist. He did uh, uh, what was the name of that book? I'm googling. Uh, he did a book that started as a like a 24 hour uh, like a 24 hour comic that ended up turning into this huge book. It's called Heck. It's about a guy who can uh, who does like a delivery service into hell. So, like, if you have a message for your dead husband, like, this guy can go in. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> Basically, this detective with a bad memory goes into hell. It's beautiful. I think a lot of it started off, it's very, um, I can't think of the word, like, moment to moment. Like, he's making it up as he went along. Uh, yeah. uh, but anyway, that's a beautiful book. I highly recommend Heck. Hex is super good also. Um, the Kaiju Max is a follow-up. It's basically, um, like, Kaiju, which are the big Japanese monsters, right, that destroy cities. It's a prison for these mm-hmm. guys. So it's like um, it's like comic book Oz, like a comic book prison drama, but with monsters. <laughs> monsters uh, and giant it's great. Robots. <laughs> when when the first volume came out, and uh, I've worked with Oni obviously a, a fair amount at the time. I was doing work in Morty for sure, and it's like this book, uh, this book, like volume one is incredible. It's fun. It's clever. It looks great. It's very bright colors. Like it's Kaiju Max is yeah. great, man, and. Uh, the second volume came out and it's four times as good. Oh, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you can even make that sort of, how you can make that sort of leap. Uh, Kaiju Max is great. Uh, I highly recommend volume one and two. 
uh, volume three. Uh, I've not read the new one. I really want, or there's two new ones. Jesus, I haven't read the two newest ones, I don't think. Uh, the Kaiju Max is unbelievable. Zanna Cannon's literally a special jewel in comic creating. He's so good at it. It's it's the craziest idea, but it, it works so well. Um, Kaiju Max, hard recommend. Severely underrated. Uh, my other one, which is criminally underrated, is uh, Six Gun by Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt, also from Oni. Um, maybe the publisher has some reason why no one talks about them. Uh, they don't know it. They don't know them. A fail on the publisher. Uh, Six Gun is a sort of supernatural Western um, about these guns, these magic guns. And each gun has like a different ability. Uh, it goes on forever. I don't know how many volumes there are, 10 or 12. It's amazing. Every book is amazing. They add characters that are ridiculous. There's like a genius mummy at some point. There's lots of like, because these weapons have like, like one can shoot like a cannon and one can bring back the dead. Um, all these crazy, but it's, it's done straight. Brian Hurt is one of the best cartoonists, uh, illustrators and comics not being used, um, which is crazy. I've been trying to work with Brian for a couple of years now. He's unbelievably good. Six gun is unbelievably good. I always, whenever people like, when I really talk, like what I think for me are like the best, I'm doing air quotes again, like the best sort of comic (laughs) stories. To me, it's those sort of 36, like those sort of 64, 36 runs of comics. Preacher, Why the Last Man, Bone. Right. Um, And I think uh, Lock and Key. Lock and Key is right there too. Mm -hmm. They're these sort of maxi series, right? And Six Gun deserves to sit with those. That's how good it is. It's really good. It's in that same world. If you like that kind of story, that's like there's a it's it's a nice length of a journey, and everything is for a purpose. Uh, Six Gun is very much that. Hard recommend. Highly recommend. People should be talking about that book whenever they talk about any of those other books. Honestly, that is awesome, man. So that is Kaiju Max is still coming out. So Kaiju Max is my my in in press. Got to check out Kaiju Max. So Definitely. good. It looks it's like a lot of fun. Uh, just looking at the yeah. cover style and the interior art and everything, as you say, kind yeah, of it's a lot of fun, but also and like welcoming and yeah, there's also, but it's like also it's a prison drama. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's well. a prison drama. So there's some messed up shit in there. Yeah, but it's all balanced because there's all these different characters that sort of come and go. Yeah, Kaiju Max and Six Gun Man. Those are like, and all of my stuff. We guys should we should be talking about my stuff all the time. I can use my <laughs> stuff to answer every one of these questions. Like I said, I'm not going to though. That's that's too on brand. <laughs> For me to be sitting here and promoting my shit, but uh, man, Six Gun's so good. I think it's why Colin Bunn has a career. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it's the, one of the first things he did. Um, mm. and like Brian Hurt's so good. I don't know why Brian. When I like Brian Hurt's one of those guys. I don't understand why people aren't clamoring everywhere to get him to work on their book, but they aren't. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's funny. So it's it's difficult to tell sometimes, isn't it? And uh, something else that's really difficult to tell is uh, is for you. What is the best comic of all time? I you know I think like if you're going to be objective about it, and I'm mostly familiar with mainstream comics. This is a boring like this will be the shortest one, right? Like Watchmen's probably the best one. It's the best example of craft. It's the best example of use of sort of the American tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it does even the even like the back matter is good. Like it's tough to beat Watchmen, I think. Uh, and probably in sales, probably back that up too. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, unfortunately for those two gentlemen. Uh, but I think it's, I think for American comics and that's what I know best. I think it's tough to beat. Um, it's tough to beat Watchmen. If I was going, I, I, I said like, I, I think Urasawa's Pluto, which I haven't read in a couple of years was a masterpiece. Um, I think Urasawa is one of the, I, I would, but I would, if we were doing a tournament, 
I would put money on Urasawa for best of all time to, to at least get to those finals. I think he's underrated mm-hmm. uh, universally. He did uh, Pluto and Monster and um, 20th Century Boys, which I think are just three incredible works. Um, but I think Pluto is very good if I was going to be like, pick something that's not Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns. Because uh, Dark Knight Returns is the same thing. And there's something to be said probably about how we go, oh, look how impressively they played with tropes and how we think that's yeah. the best thing. Like the two best comics are kind of the same genre of playfulness. But I think in terms of just authorship and choice making in both of those, like they're, those are two incredible American comics. I think it's tough to beat. That's awesome, man. Um, and if you could only take I hope people say that. Truly, they say that a lot, right? I mean, it's very tough because people will be like, what's my personal best, right? And I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, man. It's, you know, it's it's your own personal uh, yeah, best I, I don't know. of all time. So it's... It's a very, like, nerd, like, characteristic to want to rank things, right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't I, I don't do that. I've never been able to do that. Yeah. But I always be like, man, here's the, here's the five things I like a lot. But, you know, this and, I, you know... The follow-up question, which I didn't even answer, by the way, <laughs> I didn't even answer. Um, and the reason why that is is like in my life, there are novels that I've read seven times, yeah, ten times. I, when I was younger, especially, there's things I'll go back to. There's movies that I'll watch over and over. But for me, I can't be like, man, you know, a comic that I will always, if I see it, I'll pick it up and read it. I don't have that. There's a right. bunch of stuff like like those like like I, I will reread Preacher. I'll reread Why. I'll reread Bone. Um, but not once a like not once a year, and not enough that I'd be like that's the best. That's my personal favorite comic of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why I don't have that because I think of movies. There's like pick five movies, and it's like ah, oh, it'd probably be these five. Uh, but for comics, it's tough. And I think if I would have seen these questions seven years ago, mm-hmm. before I've been working in comics and I looking at comics differently um, from a almost purely craft standpoint now. I would have different answers and I'd have more clever answers than the ones I'm giving today. Because I, I, I used to read and consume so much, I could be like, oh, there was this one issue of X-Men where this happened and that's messed up and that's a great answer to this question. <laughs> I don't really remember any of that. And none of it was stuff that I loved so much that I kept going back. Like I, I, The Jason stuff I read pretty frequently, but it's so sparse. Yeah, I don't know. So it's just tough to be like, is that my, is that the best comic in my life? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Yeah. Sex Castle. Sex Castle is the best comic of my life. Boom. You know. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, that's like for me, Sex Castle is the best comic of my life. Creatively, there's nothing I change about it, um, which is unheard of. Like that's not how it works. There's nothing I would yeah. add. There's nothing I would change. There's nothing I would take out. It's it for whatever reason, Sex Castle, which made my career, is the best comic of my personal life. Um, I think in everything else I've done, I'd be like, man, I wish I could have done this a little bit. I wish this part landed better. I wish I was able to do this better. I wish I could have put this in. I wish I didn't have to get out. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's like, it's tough for me now to be like, what's, what's someone else's work that I, and it's like, I, I get excited about things. Like I, that first volume of outer darkness is really good. Uh, I really liked Rosenberg's like four kids walking to a bank. Like there's things like each, every, every couple of years I get, crazy about all of the all of the image s books like sex Mm -hmm. criminals and southern bastards and saga like man those are really great comics um but i'm not i'm not rereading them and i feel like it's like what's the best comic of all time or you know i I, i'm going to jump is like what's the one book you i don't know like i don't know what i'll tell you what for me um just kind of give it invincible is one that i can reread again and again you know what i just started reading invincible because um, okay Papa, that's Papa Kirkman. I, I, yes, I that's right. Years ago, 
Uh, but Papa Kirkman, uh, who I like a lot, I like him as a person, and he's always yeah. sought Seems me out like at cool like, New York Comic Con to talk to me. He's dude. He's also a Midwesterner, so uh, he's from Kentucky. Right. So um, he's very generous. Like uh, the book we're doing right now for Skybound is weird. It's not going to. <laughs> Like no one's going to read it, and it seems to me like I'll, read, of, it. I'll like, read it. I'll read it. Look, listen. I think my my the people who the people who know me, yeah. um, well, you know, like I just did old head, right? Like old head. I'm like, hey, you guys know old head was going to be my second book. Old head is sensibly is about the world's toughest ex pro basketball player fighting Dracula. Okay, <laughs> um, and I was going to do this as my second book, but ever, but what happened with Sex Castle is that it got nominated for an Eisner. It got optioned almost immediately. All these things happened. I thought I would just be doing this hobby, but suddenly everyone's looking at me. Here now in 2020, I realize in the big scheme of things, not that many people are looking at me, but I think the people who look at me now, they trust me, right? Like they're like, we know what we're going to get out of sex books. There's going to be fighting. Right. There's going to be probably cursing. There's going to be good action bits. There's going to be comedy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, so there's a group, but it's like, man, like, it's not gonna be saga, right? Like, it's not gonna, people aren't gonna be like, you know what you gotta read? You gotta read this new book that kind of starts. I would like to reach that point for sure. Uh, and I think if people, I keep thinking for the next book, I thought Assassination because of Erica, who, my very good friend, Eric Anderson, who's so good at coming off Squirrel Girl, I thought people would sort of backtrack and they didn't. Uh, not really because people didn't read that book for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Um, because it's yeah. incredible. Erica did such great work, even if you like just for the art. Uh, but yeah, so I did this book about basketball basically, and, I, and people were like, "I was like, well, now I'm far enough in that people will trust me." And I found out people were like, "Well, we don't want to read your basketball book," but it's like I'm not going to make you read a basketball game. Like it's just a character. Get on board. Like you know what I'm doing here. Um, so it's like the pitch, like the pitch, the pitch, the pitch. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm very thankful for Kirkman. But I, I was just reading because you know they're doing their. I was like, I never really read that much of Invincible. I only read whatever the library had ten years ago when I was reading right. when I was consuming comics so much. Um, but the thing, and I emailed them. Uh, cause the firepower just came out and did it and it, but invincible. I feel like Kirkman does this thing with beats and el- escalating and yep. he does it so well with invincible, mm-hmm. which is sort of, you know, a throwaway, just fun comic book, like tropey comic book homage. Right. Yeah. But his, the way he escalates is unbelievable. And, uh, anyway, maybe no one does beats and escalations like Kirkman. In comics, I don't think it, as, not, as evenly and still because the thing with Invincible, like I was like, oh, like I don't know, like I know this happens, but you think like you know, like the like the the murder of the Guardians was supposed to be like issue twenty four, right? Was it? I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was supposed to be issue twenty four, but the, basically the publishers were like, your book's not selling enough, and he's like, oh, but wait, in issue twenty four, this great thing happens that's going to change the whole book, and they're like, <laughs> well, you should probably do it right now. It's issue eight yeah. or whatever. I can't remember what it is. Like six, right yeah. now. Like you're not going to get to issue 24 and like him doing that, of course, changes the whole tone of the book because he's yeah. moving everything up. Um, but just like that, and they think, like, Oh, but the next time you see the visual mites, it's different and it's worse. And say, like, now you know what you're dealing with. And here's three of them. It's like the stuff that he does in that book. I've given him through hoopla, by the way, I'm going to shout out uh, the library app, support your local libraries. Uh, <laughs> man, it's so unbelievable. And I think that's really his expertise. Um, even with walking dead, it's his ability to be like, look at this crazy new thing that's happening. And for mm-hmm. someone who only wants to work in like 200 pages at a time or 80 pages at a time to be thinking far enough ahead to be like, I want to set this up, but also it needs to, the stakes need to go up again. It's great. Invisible is great. Uh, I don't know if I could read it. I, I don't know if I could read it over and over though, but it's like, man, I'm really glad I'm reading it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and for me and someone who's like sort of 
Like, I'm so frequently like, I'm like, that's fine. There's a lot of me going, ah, that was fine. Invincible is really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's an equivalent for me of something that's like, man, I want to read that. I want to read that again and again. But like I said, when I when I see, I'm like, oh, man, the pre- I'll read Preacher again. Like, it's, it's like every six years, you know? Mm. Every five years. And I'm like, oh, I, I haven't read that in a while. <laughs> I probably don't remember all of it, which I know I don't because I don't remember anything. Uh, except for that Captain America shield, apparently. The Captain America shield bit. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what I would take, man. I don't know what I'd take with me. It'd be tough. I, I'm reading Monster right now, and I'm only halfway through, so uh, that'd be good. I could finish Monster in the Apocalypse. Uh, there you go. I feel like One Piece One Piece is a good answer, because there's oh, a bajillion yeah. of them. That is like 800 issues or whatever. <laughs> there's one bajillion, so it'll last you <laughs> until there's monkey comics. For sure, man. Um, and then alongside that, um, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take in with you? As oh, well? I think it's probably. I mean, it's banana stand. Obviously, it's, it's both in once. Uh, I, I I have no chance of survival. I, like I said, I thought maybe I could get like the rubber snakes because I saw monkeys are scared of snakes because uh, yeah. their eyesight's not as good. I think so. They're always worried about snakes. And I, I also saw like uh, the great apes can't swim. They lack the ability to swim. Mm. I was like, oh, I could like do like a like an eye like in a boat. It's like they know how to use a boat. They're super smart apes. They're not like <laughs> they're not worried about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> they'd get me. They, if they wanted me, they'd get me. There's nothing I could do. They'd come up with a way to get you. Um, but but, but you like, could distract them for a little while with some rubber snakes. You'd be okay. Yeah, my hope my hope is they want those frozen bananas for as long as I got frozen bananas. That's all Absolutely, I got. Going for. <laughs> rubber snakes and frozen bananas. That'll sort you out. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Kyle Starks, thank you so much uh, for sharing your comics with the Apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, man, it was a good time. Uh, make sure you guys all check out my stuff. Uh, I'm at the Kyle Starks. Uh, I have Store Envy. You can find me on you know, Comixology, Amazon. I highly recommend Sex Castle. I highly recommend Assassination. So I. Uh, I actually, I probably, I recommend Rock Candy Mountain. That's severely, like if I was going to do my stuff like for, uh, for, for under red man rocking mountain i think is is my opus you have to get both my biggest regret comics is that i did them in two volumes instead of one volume that's my going to be my lifetime comic regret because it's one story that should have just been one volume uh, nice. if you go to my store i have them real cheap together so nice, uh, i highly recommend all those things check Definitely. out my stuff I'm real good pretty good <laughs> <laughs> very good um and, uh, ah, right. folks, all of those links from the show notes go check it out um follow follow uh kyle on uh, on social media and uh check out his store as well um and again kyle thank you so much for your time today it's been a real honor and a pleasure yeah thanks man it's good to think about it. it's good to talk about thanks for having me uh, good luck the apocalypse. i think you'd probably be okay i think you have a good monkey plan i don't i'm, I'm in trouble i'm in trouble <laughs> well i'll come help you out i'll come help you out hey all right. No problem. Friends. All right, Carl. Thanks again, mate. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross at a Comic Con when they get going again. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Take care, man. See ya. Thanks again to Kyle for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Kyle's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Stay safe and bye for now.